0: The game.
1: This is love. set match. I mean, Andre Agassi had this goal, You don't have to be better than everyone else in the draw when you go out on the court. Like, right? you have to be better than someone that's across the net.
2: I think you've got to stay active in a sport sense, you know, go out there, do some sports. I think it always makes you feel better, maybe more tired in the very moment, but actually the rest of the day feels better. And then I think giving back as well, you know, making other people happy is going to give you a good feeling too.
3: Hello, guys. Welcome to Tennis Pal Chronicles, the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. This podcast is sponsored by Tennis Pal tennis pal for iphone and android is an app for anything tennis and it connects you with other players and coaches to chat schedule time to play and share moments so download that app today tennis pal highly recommended i'm here joined again by my awesome co-host valerie garcia how are you valerie what's up pk how how you doing <laughs> i'm doing good it's been way too long it feels like really a long time
4: it, it does Although I did get to see you recently.
3: Yeah, that was so great. So the tennis courts are open again for singles. And you and I played tennis. Yes. How long has it been? It's been like a year at least, right? Since we've played together.
4: Oh, before that? God, maybe, honestly, Philip, it was probably even longer. I just said said probably (laughs) instead of probably. (laughs) It was probably even longer than that since you and I played. The last yeah. couple times I've played with you have been in for like events with groups.
3: That's right. But we didn't actually right.
4: you, play together.
3: That's true. You you are so cool. Thank you so much for coming out to all the Azusa demo days that I do and supporting me and being part of the staff and volunteering your time. I really appreciate it. Love you so much. Thank you.
4: Oh, I love doing that. I, I I'm you know when the world opens and we can do those fun social events together. I mean I know. I do leave at the barbecue time, because you know, for personal, <laughs> for personal reasons, I don't like to hang around and watch my friends get barbecued.
3: But yeah, not not <laughs> I like a, the not a lot of vegan and options. and
4: hanging out with everyone. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it was so great to play tennis with you in La Puente, California. That was fun. My first time at those courts.
4: Yeah, our nice little ghetto courts, but they were open. Sometimes it sometimes it uh, pays off to live in the ghetto.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it didn't feel ghetto to me. It did feel un untreated. Right, the courts were just flat concrete, and it reminded me of high school. It was just concrete with some painted lines and a net. But hey, what else do you need? You know?
4: Yeah. Yeah. It was cool
3: to see in the in the shutdown, the COVID pandemic, there were a lot of people who were making tennis happen on the rooftops. They were, they, there was a girl who made tennis in her backyard on a grass court, right? I mean, so yeah. people were just finding a way to do it. So for us to actually be on a city court and play was pretty great.
4: Yeah, it was cool. And it's strange that like a lot of, I guess I just figured all of these huge, rich tennis players had courts like on their yard. But yeah. I found it interesting that, like, I don't think Roger did. He was practicing against a wall. And then, like, when he, <laughs> in <the> did, snow. <laughs> when he did Instagram with Rafa, like, he was saying he, uh, Rafa was like, I haven't even hit a ball in, like, a month. And Roger was like, fantastic. <laughs> Keep it up. Uh, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> which was, like, the best part. But I, I just found it strange. I thought, wow, well, these guys don't have courts that they could go hit on.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Um. It made me feel- well, Djokovic
3: came out and uh, you know caused a little bit of controversy because he said, "Hey, I'm I'm fit, I'm ready. I've been in here in Spain, and I, we have a court here. And I didn't tell other people that I was practicing because I didn't want them to get upset. I thought that was a weird statement. Like other players would get upset because he has a court and he's practicing." Uh, but in Unlike, that same st- of all the people who
4: don't need to be practicing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but in that same statement, he said he felt confident that he was going to pass Roger's record, and he was going to ultimately end up with all the slams, which you and I have been saying for a while. But for him to say it is a little bit weird.
4: Yeah, but I mean, I think that's part of part of why he's so great is that he is like, I just believe in myself,
3: yeah, and he, he and he has
4: no problem uh, manifesting that, um, out loud. Like a lot of them, a lot of people believe in manifestation and visual visualization and stuff like that in their mind. But, you know, he's taking it next level. He's putting his, uh, money where his mouth is or something.
3: Yeah. Well, I guess you're referring to Djokovic's Instagram, uh, cast that he's been doing during the pandemic.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, so- I've been, that's the only thing that's been probably holding you and me together, right? As, P- as tennis fans, as all the awesome Instagram videos we're getting from these people.
3: Yeah, it's been really cool to see kind of more behind the scenes, right? I mean, I feel like the veil has been pulled back on a lot of these players and they're allowing us into their homes. You know, in the beginning, it was super fun because there was a lot of people just kind of doing these tennis challenges that were talking to each other. So Andy Murray started that tennis challenge with the volleys, doing 100 volleys with him and his wife, and then Djokovic did it with his wife, uh, which I thought was amazing that she she played so well that she could do 100 volleys, you know? Yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah,
4: she was great. That totally surprised me. I was like, she she has uh, skills with that racket.
3: Yeah. And then everybody on Twitter was calling for Roger and Mirka And Roger sheepishly said she's shy. And so I guess, I mean, she's Uh a former pro. So come on, you know, it's easy for her.
4: Maybe she hasn't played in a while and doesn't want anyone to see her current form.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I I don't think you lose it that much, you know. I mean, my gosh, after your whole life, you've been practicing tennis.
4: I know. But then you see someone like uh, Djokovic's wife who doesn't play tennis doing so well. And maybe that adds some pressure.
3: (laughs) I was really surprised. It was really cool.
4: Yeah, and Andy Murray's wife.
3: Yeah, Kim. She was really good. I Like, wow. I guess, do they practice ever together or just like on a date night or something?
4: (laughs) Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I guess they just, you know, if they're going to live and breathe tennis with your spouse, uh, it's just something you eventually start playing more often and get a knack for.
3: Yeah. I really enjoyed Djokovic's conversation with Warwinka on Instagram. I don't know if you saw that. I that did. Was, oh. That was really a great conversation, and I felt like you really got a behind-the-scenes look at how they felt. They both talked about... Like crying at losses and how nervous they felt before matches, and you know you never get that during the season because players don't want to give away how they really feel to give an advantage to their opponent, right, but now they're they're at home they're very casual, and they're sharing you know all their best stories, and Wow, it was such a great conversation. I enjoyed that a lot
4: yeah i I did too, and I, I liked uh well, I think that that was the one where um Stan asked Djokovic about crowd favoritism and stuff.
3: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that was cool.
4: That was cool. I mean, it was cool for me mostly because I spent many years just not liking Djokovic at all. And uh, he did finally win over my love and admiration and respect. And while I will not root for him to surpass Roger... uh, (laughs) I certainly am a huge fan of his brand of tennis and him as a human. I think he's amazing and he's grown and matured so much. Uh, and he's such a role model to me now. Like I'm, I'm fully. And so it was, it was just interesting to see how he talked about his evolution of like learning how to deal with just being that third wheel. In a world that's obsessed with Roger and Rafa. <laughs>
3: <laughs> for for good reason. <laughs> for good reason, yeah. I mean, I think they're incredibly good role models. Well, that, I mean, you talk about being a role model, and that kind of brings up Djokovic's really come under heavy criticism because he made some crazy claims uh, when he had like one of his guru friends on the Instagram feed, and they had like 400,000 people watching or are viewing that. And Djokovic talking about, you know, being able to change the chemical makeup of food uh, with mindfulness and you know, with the positive thoughts that he can control, the toxicity of food, and wow, I mean, it was really, really out there stuff and kind of made me question, why is he doing this? Why is he sharing this, you know?
4: Yeah, uh, I didn't even know that that had happened when I saw your show notes, I had to go look up, like, what is he talking about? Like, what did Djokovic say? And uh, yeah, I looked at it, and there's there's a few sports people who were like, "This guy, I've never rooted for him before, and now I know why." <laughs> Give, <laughs> giving him a real hard time, but um, I, I also looked up a little bit on the if there is any actual science behind the whole molecules being able to change um, because of thought and mindfulness, and there, I was unable to find anything that scientifically proved this. Um, right. That being said, personally, I am a person who fully believes in energy, and that it that it all makes a difference, and that we're all connected. Every atom and every molecule, and we're all part of the universe. I mean, scientifically, it is known that humans, all the DNA and all of our cell structure, is made from stardust. Like we are all connected. We are all part of this universe um and i've i've known a lot of um people who may be considered let's just say gurus or you know um really enlightened individuals who would say that mindful eating is such an important part of human health um and wellness uh i've never heard it straight up tried to be called out scientifically on a, from a molecular structure um But I've, I've also seen things where, and, and students have done these types of projects and I've never seen one fail where you're growing a plant and you grow them in different rooms and you go yell at one every single day and then you go tell the other one you love it and it's the best and, you know, just positive affirmations and plants actually will grow according to that type of energy that you're, that you're giving it, um, So there's part of me that, you know, doesn't think he's a total quack for saying something like this. (laughs) Uh, However, and honestly, I'm a firm believer that what he's saying, like he believes in, he buys it. And and look, he's going to probably go on one of the greatest runs in tennis history because of this mindset and because he believes so much in this positive energy and how it affects you. And watch him go prove it all right, at least for him. Um, I don't know. It, it is a, it's a huge statement, and and I feel like it's really brave. Like he must really, really feel strongly to put himself out there and say stuff like that. Um,
3: yeah, claim- I, he it, it wasn't like they were challenging him on his thoughts or anything. He was just like flowing from the dome, you know, just saying, hey, this is what I think, and yes, yes. And, you know, I think because – Uh, the chat that he had with, I guess the guy's name is uh, Chervin. Chervin has a a, a project called the Self Mastery Project and talks about how emotions can make toxic food and water more healthy, um, that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, it it wasn't a challenge at all. Djokovic was just flowing in what he believes. And I think it was pretty stunning to the rest of the world. Um, Not that it, that belief isn't out there, but just that, you know, world number one at that moment would just kind of share all of these thoughts and and really uh, on it, very influential followers, I think. And, yeah, I just don't feel like there's any scientific basis for it. And, and unfortunately, that guy Chervin, he also quoted this kind of pseudoscientific Japanese uh, person who... Has been debunked, and you know, wrote a national bestseller, just,
4: and and sells just, sells that water, and sells the water, and he's yeah. selling it for
3: like fifty dollars <laughs> a pop. You know, it's like what, like, why do we why do we need to do this on his Instagram? What what's what's all this like sideshow business going on? You know, it's so wackadoodle to me. I just was like uh, I don't know, strange to me. And uh, you are absolutely right. His focus on you know plant-based food and his focus on health and uh, fitness and and all of the things that he's brought to the game of tennis has helped tremendously change the game I think a lot of people are trying to be more like Djokovic but this part is the part that's kind of scary to me because you know uh, it's it's awesome that he believes it if he wants to believe it but for him to share it to all of his followers it's kind of dangerous i think and even like Mary Carillo and Andy Roddick and all these people were like wow this is this is really really dangerous for him to be saying
4: yeah i f- i felt um again like uh, at the core of what he's trying to say i think i actually agree with him however the the concern for the way he words like um it it's uh, I don't want to get political. It's a little bit, though, um, similar to our United States president saying stuff about injecting bleach
3: yes, uh, for exactly. for
4: COVID, but saying something exactly. that you can turn the most toxic food or most polluted water into the most healing water. Um, I don't know who's going to run out and drink toxic uh, polluted water and maybe suffer consequences from it, but I feel like it might have been just um, slightly uh, inappropriate or irresponsible statements to to right. not back it up with some more substance, uh, you know, um, so that people wouldn't blindly just go think they can drink polluted water.
3: I think the thing that bothers me the most is just the lack of understanding that your belief and and your position is so incredibly influential. And so make sure the stuff that you say is actually something that will be Helpful, not harmful for everyone, and I guess that's the hard part because he really does believe it's totally helpful, and yet not scientifically proven. You know? Yeah,
4: and and if even if it's helpful, um, he is on a different plane. Uh, yes. he yes. is very focused He's a hundred, and dedicated. Hundred millionaire too. <laughs> yeah, and, and he spends his he spend, he devotes and focuses his entire life and energy on health and wellness for his game. Um, and so for him to say something like that, he may have access to people who are coaching him through this type of spiritual, emotional, or, you know, um, growth. Whereas the people, like other people, may know nothing about how to go about um, making mindful energy choices when they're eating or drinking and they're just going to try it at home with knowing nothing about i guess a claim that lifestyle right. um right.
3: and might be and everybody is so different right i mean he's super in tune with his body but for people to just not do the work that you're talking about and just jump in and and follow and just say well it's good for Djokovic. maybe it's good for me and it could be really dangerous for them so there isn't this kind of wide Testing, kind of like with COVID, right? There isn't a there isn't a wide testing for all of this stuff that it's safe, and that's the problem because everybody is different, right? What's good for you might not be good for me, and so on and so on, right?
4: Yeah, it's it's true. Uh, so it's it's interesting, but I mean, also I feel like I know for myself, many times in my life, I have just candidly had conversations. And I could see, I guess, like he's probably he's been in a position of influence for a long enough time to to right. understand his status and right. his effect on people who follow him.
3: You would think so, but
4: I I also am feel like being a little forgiving in the sense that like he that guy he's talking to is a friend. They have very many Instagram videos together. Uh, they hike together. They work out together. Like they're. I, I believe they're close, so I think you know it might have just—he got raw, got too personal, he got raw, yeah, yeah and vulnerable. Yeah.
3: yeah, I really did enjoy Djokovic's uh, Instagram with Maria Sharapova. Did you have a chance to watch that one at all?
4: Um, uh, you know what? I feel like I I did, but I feel like I need a reminder <laughs> of.
3: <laughs> well, maybe Jordan's going to cover it in our fan favorite reports later. He might be talking about it. But I just thought it was super cool that he asked her specifically about retirement because her retirement kind of went away very quickly. Uh, and we didn't really have a chance to celebrate her. She didn't do a farewell tour or anything like that. And so she just talked about the transition from tennis to business and you know what she's been up to. And uh, I always feel like Maria like knows how to make, Uh, Novak feel bad, you know, she's just like a boss, you know what I mean? So it's kind of funny to see her bossing him. Yeah,
4: now that you're mentioning some of the content of the conversation, it's not ringing a bell, so I wonder if I missed it, which means I got to go search it out now.
3: Yeah, that would be good. I think think it's worthwhile to watch just to find out about Maria because you and I both love Maria. And I feel like she's still in tennis, even though she's not playing professionally. But, you know, it's just sad she was never able to really recover after the uh, three years off, right, and she came back, and I feel like tennis passed her by in a lot of ways. Do you feel that way? Yeah, for sure. Obviously, she was struggling with a ton of injuries as well, still with her shoulder, but just in general, I felt like when she came on the scene, she was one of the hardest hitters in tennis, and now all the girls hit that hard or harder, you know? Osaka, Sabalenka, Yastramska, you know, they're all just amazing ball strikers, that I feel like, wow, Maria is just right up there with her but is in her 30s now, so how do you yeah, compete? Yeah, for sure, you know? and
4: I think, uh, I think her serve kind of uh, betrayed her towards the tail end of her career. Like, it, uh, there was a time when her serve was somewhat of a weapon, <laughs> you know, in the, in the early days, and then it just kind of yeah. like, after the shoulder surgeries, it had to get tweaked, it wasn't as effective or consistent, and... uh and I think in today's return game is so strong that like unless you're a Halep or someone with like amazing movement, yeah, which has never been Maria's strong suit, uh, yeah, you need you need a better serve then because if you're someone like if you want to like compare her to someone like Pliskova or something, the Ace Queen, um, or even even like Kavitova or so, you know someone wh- who might just not be that well known as a mover but they have a very much more reliable serve
3: yeah well i love naomi osaka serve i think it's very powerful very strong um and it's just right up there where it needs to be right and all of these girls they just have an amazing serves. and i think before maybe 10 years ago you, you used to watch these games in the wta and you'd feel like uh, women's serves were not their strength. And so the return game was so much stronger and they would just get broken all the time, like literally every game, every other game, right? <laughs> it was just back, like, yeah. you just get broken. and But you could return better and you, your ground strokes were so strong that you would usually break. And now I feel like that tide has changed and people serves are a lot better, a lot stronger. Of course, Serena started the whole thing.
4: Yeah, definitely breaks means something again in the women's game.
3: Yeah, so that's really exciting. I feel like that. Low. I've I've been saying that since the beginning of this podcast that, you know, women's tennis is is exploding and it's very exciting and all the players are, are just they're leveling up. It's just really exciting to see.
4: Yes, yes. And uh, Maria's done a couple cool like videos on Instagram that I've enjoyed watching, um, as well as other players who I don't think we've touched upon. Um, Actually, because we were talking about Djokovic, um, I saw him on – have you watched on Facebook um, Bethany Maddox-Sands and Vashik Pospisil? Oh, yeah. Um, what is that called? Tennis United. Tennis United, Tennis, Tennis, right.
3: They did like I, eight episodes. I really episodes. liked
4: that. Oh, yeah, yeah that's Yeah, they're fun. doing one a week. Yeah. I appreciate it. And, and what made me really happy – was to see that Djokovic is plant-based again. He he's not doing the fish thing, which was reported for a while.
3: Yeah, by Tanya.
4: Yes. Um, so I was like, all right. Anytime I I have a very dominant athlete, um, someone who is known for having the the pinnacle peak of like human con- health and conditioning, supporting a plant-based diet, I am gonna obviously cheer. Loudly, <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow! That's where great. everyone can hear. Yeah, that's great. I wonder how how long has he has it been? Did he talk about the timeline on that or he
4: he didn't he didn't and he didn't go into detail about like when he gave up fish again. He just basically reiterated that yes, I am plant based. And uh, he was going through like his morning breakfast. He said he drank like a couple glasses of water and then I think maybe even lemon water, and then he would do green juice. Wow, juices, yeah because I think uh Garbine Muguruza was on the episode with him.
3: Oh, that was the last and one. I didn't get to see that one. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it's it's cute. It's pretty good. Um they've had some really good ones though, not just, you know, that one they've had. They did a whole Canadian one with all the Canadian players. That was cute and they did like a and a like a uh, never have I ever, which was kind of funny because they asked them like if they've ever use their name to, like, get reservations. Oh, how funny. (laughs) And uh, Eugenie Bouchard was, like, has said for sure she did it. She said something that was kind of a little funny. Um, Oh, she said uh, she has somebody else do it or something because she doesn't want to look, she doesn't want it to look bad. right? But then uh, Bianca Andreescu was just started laughing, and she's like, I've actually called and pretended I was my agent booking like the reservation
3: oh that's so fun
4: yeah so it was cute i mean what i like is that you you're getting like a lot more of the personalities like Naomi osaka's like interviewing people on her instagram um i think it's much more
3: casual it's much less guarded so it's so fun
4: yeah it is cool and it's you, you know what like we we talked i don't think we really talked about it um, once we hit record, but we talked about it a little bit before uh, we hit record, just kind of like the heaviness of, of the world right now, people with a cabin fever. I mean, we've all been like cooped up and it's a, the mental stress and emotional stress of that I think is starting to like really show. Uh, and so it is really nice to have some content that's like lighthearted and, um, and also just seeing like our favorite tennis players who are going through the same thing and and kind of trying to make lo- the best of it.
3: Yeah, we are actually recording this in the aftermath of the George Floyd death and, and the Los Angeles curfews, which just happened yesterday. So it's kind of crazy to be involved in yet another shutdown. This is not COVID-related. This is because of these uh, just strange days, the protests, and the city – the police shut down the city for the whole day to try to determine who's protesting peacefully, who's engaged in criminal behavior. It's it's crazy. I actually had a lesson scheduled for yesterday from someone who lives downtown, in downtown L.A., and they couldn't get out of their apartment to come and have the lesson, so we were scheduled for this morning. Thankfully, it was a lot more cleared up, but obviously, there is you know, just chaos, so crazy times for sure. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I wanted to, uh, I had nothing to do. We're recording today on a lovely Sunday afternoon and I really didn't have much on my agenda. And I kept saying all these, uh, really good, um, vegan dishes in West Hollywood. And I was like, you know what? I don't have anything to do. I'm going to drive out to West Hollywood and get some, get this, some food from this restaurant I've never tried. And then I had to think, wait, like, am I going to encounter issues trying to drive through L.A.? And then I was like, yeah right. I'll wait. Right.
3: Yeah, <laughs> some of the freeways might actually be shut down. So it's it's really chaotic here in Los Angeles, but all, really all over the nation. So yeah, it's kind of – it's definitely crazy. Well, I want to jump back to what you were saying about the tennis players kind of revealing themselves because I've also been watching this really great series by the UTR – uh, the United Tennis Rating, is that what it stands for? Uh-huh. <laughs> wait, yeah. Wait, is it? It stands yeah. for- uh, Universal, huh? universal. Thank you. Universal yeah. Tennis Rating. How stupid that I don't know that. But uh, Universal Tennis Rating has had a series of uh, interviews where they're just talking with pros behind the scenes. And they had like Sam Query, they had Alison Risk, uh, Tennis Sandgren, uh, Corey Goff, and all, they're actually all available on YouTube, so you can watch them. They're about an hour each, and really wow. behind-the-scenes kind of stuff that you were talking about—really personal, like w- Allison Risk. Uh, I didn't really know a lot about her. She, I mean, she's you know world number 19. It's so sad that I don't know her enough, but just hearing her story and how you know she got funded to be a pro, and she just admits easily. If I didn't get funded to be a pro, there's no way that I could be in this position because me and my parents, you know, would never be able to afford it. So she actually got a sponsor to help her for her training and for touring and all of that stuff. I thought that was amazing. And Tennis Sandgren, of course, they asked him about, you know, playing Roger Federer and losing seven match points. And uh, (laughs) I mean, Uh my gosh, that was such a I can I can't even imagine how that felt for him because he had that match in the bag, right? Mm-hmm. And that was such a tough loss and I love his tweet afterwards. The day after he lost that, he put a tweet up that said, "So what's the rule? Is it, you know, two shots per every match point you lose?" <laughs> and he was talking about whiskey shots, I think. <laughs> and it was just just so fun that he could be lighthearted about losing that way and just, you know, that he felt so bad. But just hearing his story and where he came from and, and why he became pro and, you know, just hearing all of these kind of behind the scenes things f- directly from these people was, it's really great. And Steve Johnson, you, you mentioned Bethany Maddox-Sands. She was also one of the people. Nick Boletari was also interviewed. So it was
4: like an American, so- it's it's all American? Mostly American, I think.
3: Yeah, Vasic Pospisil was also interviewed. I guess he's from Canada. So yeah, it was really very cool. And uh, I'll send you the link for that. And I'll put it in the show notes too, because they are just Oh, I'd love that.
4: I'd love that. Yeah, they're they're really helpful. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know that UTR had like, like I wouldn't think that they were doing interviews that would be interesting. So that's cool. I can't wait to check it out.
3: Yeah, and I think they're just trying to keep tennis alive, like all of us, right? I mean, tennis was canceled for so long, and you and I mourned the loss of Indian Wells. <laughs> it was so sad. Yes. Just looking back at Indian Wells and just realizing that Tommy Haas and the team there were so ahead in understanding that this could be really bad and the fact that they were, the, I think, the first national sport event that canceled uh, they were so ahead of their time, so it was really, really smart, and kudos to them.
4: It was. I'm dying for tennis, and I think uh, super excited that we're going to have some tennis in two weeks.
3: Are we? What, uh, what are we going to have?
4: Are, uh, are are we going to have um, Patrick Moratoglu's Mar- academy as putting uh, some sort of tournament together, correct?
3: Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what's what's going on with that or how that's going to come together. I know there are a lot of people who are trying to do tennis kind of without fans and, and just putting it out there. Uh, in fact, I've been watching, uh, it's called Grand Slam Tours and grandslamtours.com, they, they're the ones who sell those packages where you can go to Grand Slams uh, you know, yes. as a package. So they actually have been hosting matches It's and it's just like a GoPro over a court but it's top 300 players playing against each other i guess as a way to practice and just play matches and so grand slam tours has been hosting that so you could go to grand and and take a look at those live matches and and i guess yeah serena's coach also is doing something similar where he's trying to get as many players together as possible
4: i think he's got a couple i think dominic team is going to play i think he's got a couple big names the ultimate tennis showdown is what it's called, I believe. Um, I thought I saw on Instagram that it was that um, Dominic team was signed up. It's basically all Europeans because of the traveling. Sure. Um, and I'm I'm assuming it's spectatorless. Um, Felix Al Sim, he has joined, but I guess he's not European. <laughs> <laughs> there goes my there goes my former sentence. Um, your man David Goffin, woo Belgian. Yeah, I'm you know kinda... I think
3: I think uh, I remember that Felix said that he lives in Monte Carlo now. That, so maybe that's why.
4: That makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's not. I'm on their website right now, and it's not telling me who's signed up. Lucas Puy, Dustin Brown. Um, oh, I've, love I Dustin Brown. It's so fun. Yeah. Yes. Lucas Puy. Benoit Paire, Alexei Poprin, who I'm not sure who that is. Fabio Fanini, who I thought I just read just had ankle surgery today. So I'm Right.
3: on both guessing, ankles.
4: Yeah, I'm guessing that he's not going to be in this tournament anymore. But I'm very excited. It should be what June 13th and 14th and it's every weekend for 5 weeks or something something along those lines. And I think you can live stream it on their website. That's super is, cool. Uh, UTS Ultimate Tennis Showdown Live um, I'm not sure if you have to pay, but I am just dying to watch some tennis. So that's that's some good news to me.
3: Well, hopefully they have decent cameras because it's tough to watch these matches with just like one GoPro sitting in you know one position. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'd still enjoy the the level, but it's nothing like the experience that we get, you know, watching these really well televised uh, events. And so, hope I I hope that Patrick spends some money and gets a good camera crew out there. That'd be awesome.
4: Yeah, it, it would. I would. I feel like they might have a couple. It may not be like a Grand Slam level ESPN, but right. But it will probably be better than one GoPro.
3: Yeah. Did you tune into any of the other kind of virtual tennis events that they had? They had the Mario Tennis event, the Stay at Home Slam. And then Madrid did the virtual tennis match as well, which was kind of funny.
4: I missed Madrid, um, but I heard it was not eventful that Andy Murray was the only exciting one to watch because he was like vocal during the matches, talking yeah. smack and stuff.
3: Interesting that he was um, so did you good watch that at- one? I, I just watched some highlights uh, on, online, but I, I just thought it was so funny that he was so good at it.
4: Yeah. A lot of these tennis players are gamers, you know?
3: Yeah. <laughs> I actually, um, expected, competitive. actually expected the Russian, because the Russian, I think he was like a top 10 gamer in the world before, and he had to decide what, between gaming and tennis. So I didn't see him involved in any of this at all.
4: Oh, I don't know which Russian you're talking about. However, sounds interesting. I thought it was cool that Kiki Burton's, you know, was she like the only female participating?
3: Yeah, and she won.
4: She won the whole thing?
3: Yeah. It was funny because she won the tournament last year on, you know, real tennis surface. And then she also won as the virtual player, which is so funny.
4: that's so cool i didn't know that i thought andy murray won but i think he made it i I remember reading that he like there was some controversial stuff that how they how they pushed him through to the semifinals
3: or something oh i think it was like a girls and a guys that's why
4: oh got you so kiki burton's was the head was the winner yeah i I didn't read that any other women had participated so interested to know who did
3: yeah, uh, I, I watched a little bit of Kiki Burton's playing um, Belinda Benchik.
4: <laughs> oh, cool! I love Benchik.
3: I know, me too. I thought that was awesome. No, the Russian that I was talking about is Daniil Medvedev.
4: Oh, he was a top ten gamer.
3: Gamer, yeah, and so he would, he would game and play tennis. And I mean, it's true, like you said, a lot of the younger guys are gamers too. I know. Um, Fritz won. Uh, Fritz won the Mario Tennis event, the Stay at Home Slam, and he's a gamer as well.
4: He is a gamer. There was actually a few gamers on. I I did watch that one because Serena played. Uh-huh. So oh right I, right right. I had to. Um, and I, think, I don't want to ruin results for anyone, but it's been a month, so I feel yeah, like no, if you haven't seen it, yet, you're not going to see it. She right. lost in the first round, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so did so did Venus. Um, so and and so did Maria
3: Sharapova. Sharapova did too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the kind of fun thing is that they were playing with like celebrity partners, right? So that was kind yeah. of fun for them.
4: It was, um, and some of them some of them were good. Uh, Gosh, there was one of the celebrity people on there. She's like a insta. She's some sort of social media influencer, I think, is how she's famous. Um, and I'm too old to to be hip enough to know her name off off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> but she she was really good. I I was I don't know. I got really into it. I know some people can't watch like an hour of video games or something or two hours of video games, but I was fully into it. You know, I was. I was really, it's cool the way they like talk during the thing. And they're like, oh my God, you know, um, (laughs) trying to strategize and all that and and trash talking. And on the Mario one, uh, John McEnroe was one of the commentators. So that was cool. They they pulled a big name, you know, so yeah. I'd love to see more of that personally. I I would watch it.
3: Well, I had real hopes for Maria Sharapova, and uh, I I have a soft spot for her and and Carly Kloss because I got to hang out with them at the Maria Sharapova and Friends at UCLA, and it was amazing that they were both there, you know, just these beautiful, tall tennis players, and, of course, Carly is a model, so it was really amazing. But, uh, yeah, like you said, they lost the first round. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, there's a funny interview, I think, with Carly Kloss talking to Jimmy Fallon about how she practiced for seven days and she was like trying to do it the best she could, but she didn't even know the rules of the game. So that was kind of funny.
4: I think she might have also been the one who, um, she was learning all the special moves, but in the tournament, none of those moves were allowed. So she was ah. like, everything she was learning, she was learning all the trick moves. And they weren't, so then she wasn't able to use any of them. So she was, she, she had to be all basic.
3: <laughs> wow.
4: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, virtual tennis, I don't know that it has a future once tennis starts, but for now, it's definitely f- fulfilling the void in yeah. my heart.
3: Well, we do hope tennis is going to start. I mean, unfortunately, no tennis with a crowd, that's for sure. So the question is, will tennis with a crowd happen at all in 2020? I kind of doubt it, honestly, because it's just too hard to pull off. But USTA did just release a a statement, the chief executive talked about how if they do have the US open, it's going to be in New York at the usual spot on the calendar, which is kind of a heartbreak because there was rumors that it might be at Indian Wells for us, right? Wouldn't that I be amazing? I know, right? Yeah. Oh, I but wanted that.
4: I wanted it too, but then in, in I mean, I guess also they probably weren't going to allow spectators even if it was at Indian Wells. Or, yeah. or, or were they trying to allow spectators? I don't know.
3: I don't know because New York is so much worse than anywhere else in the world. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I, 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 than any other state in the United States. I mean, California had a much less count of infections than New York. So I would think it would be a lot more dangerous there. You know?
4: Yeah. Yeah. For yeah, you would. Um, especially yeah, if there were spectators involved. I don't know where I got this idea from, but I thought the reason that Indian Wells was proposed was due to them having to move the date. And then New York's weather wouldn't be conducive to holding an entire tournament. And so since California is less rainy, that that was why they were talking about moving it here. But I may have made that up in my head. <laughs>
3: That makes a ton of sense to me because I know there's still all this crazy politics about the French Open being rescheduled. And it look, it's on the ATP calendar right now, September 21st to the 28th. So whatever they, that means, they might, you know. They
4: might do it.
3: They might do it. They might do it without fans, I'm imagining. Yeah. I'm not I, sure. I, would,
4: I mean, if they do it, I'm really interested to see the impact it has. And like, if we can see an upset or multiple upsets, you know,
3: in other words, who is the most ready to come back, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently I mean,
3: Djokovic says he is.
4: <laughs> well, apparently he's been the only one with a tennis court practicing the entire time. <laughs>
3: oh, you know, obviously Rafa is the favorite, but Rafa admitted himself that he hasn't played tennis for months. It's true, but I,
4: I think like uh, Rafa is a lot like Roger in the sense. No, that's false. Just why don't I even open my mouth? <laughs> I was gonna say uh, I was gonna say that you know he could just come and win, but he actually self-proclaims that he needs to build confidence. Um, right. So I was about to say a total lie. Um,
3: <laughs> I do feel like his level but is I do so think, far. I just think
4: his confidence. Yeah on clay like i can't imagine him going in and being like
3: yeah unconfident
4: right yeah for sure um even without like warm-up tournaments because even last year we saw him losing probably a record amount of tournaments on clay before the french and then he still goes to the french and kicks everyone's butt like that's true uh and can you imagine how much condition conditioning training he's doing right now like He's already the most fit person on the tour, arguably, with Djokovic. And then for him to just get even more fit and well-rested, I would find it hard to put my money on anyone but him.
3: Yeah. but And he's married. So, you know, how does that play into how he plays? There's always, always talk about how marriage affects your play. <laughs> 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 I, You know, oh, I just think yeah. people are... People are so funny the way that they think it, you know, moves moves the needle one side or the other. But I'm sure people are going to talk about it.
4: Yeah, I mean, it could. I, I think uh, Rafa might have about as much of a needle move as Roger did. He, they've been dating for 15 years or something. Like, I can't imagine there being much of a difference. Right. same with like Roger and Mirka. Whereas, right. like, I think Murray and Djokovic married much sooner in their relationships. True. Um in the dating game and yeah, I think Murray's marriage actually ha- yielded positive results if I remember correctly. Yeah. And I thought Djokovic on the on the flip side uh wasn't very helpful <laughs> to his to his career at first. He seems to have moved past that, but I think uh,
3: we always joke about Roger too, right? When he got married, he was winning as well. Oh, <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. He, he won for many, many years. <laughs> Actually, well, that's been what's been really fun also about um, no tennis is that people are reaching deep into the archives and pulling out really cool footage. Um, from the early 2000s is when I appreciate that's when I really started following the men's tour. Nice
0: um,
4: when Roger emerged. Um, I actually, funnily enough, I started watching tennis because of Martina Hingis. I and, remember you
3: told me, yeah, and on, on a magazine.
4: Yeah, and I only watched w- the women. So this was back in the day when there was really good men's tennis, like Agassi and Sampras and all that. Wow. And and I would get mad when they were showing the men's matches. I was like, turn this crap <laughs> off. I want to see the women. And then I just happened to run across a men's match, and it was Roger Federer. And, a, and then I fell in love with men's tennis and was like, now I'm like, no, I love them both equally. But I definitely have a slight preference to watching men's tennis. Um However, like, yeah, I just find it interesting how I just randomly came across these people and they brought me into the game single-handedly.
3: Yeah, Tennis Rewind definitely is a thing. It's really cool that people are pulling out all of these old matches and they're watching. And we're, we're really lucky to live in this era where people are uploading the old VHSs and DVDs of <laughs> old matches so that we can enjoy them because otherwise it's one and done, right? I mean, before YouTube, you would never get to see this stuff. So we're really lucky that we get to watch. Yeah, I've watched Borg and McEnroe and uh, – you know, all of those, uh, champions. And it's really fun to just see what tennis was. I know a good friend of mine, Beverly, she loves, uh, Chrissy Everett. So she's been watching her a lot lately and just how incredible her backhand was, you know?
4: Yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. Um, I was just listening to Chrissy on the, the racket podcast. Oh yeah. Um, she did like a part two interview a couple, weeks ago, I think. It was good, and they had Mary Pierce um, this week.
3: Ah, so fun!
4: And that was that was really cool too. Um, I didn't, I really didn't know very much about Mary Pierce, um, so it was cool to hear her story. Uh, she like start didn't start playing tennis till she was like ten, which is super late. Right. Um, and like you said about Allison Risk getting sponsored, uh, Mary Pierce also like they lived in their their her parents' car, and they had someone sponsored her entire family to like play tennis and like paid their rent and their food and their everything basically. Wow. Um, But it was cool.
3: Um, That that reminds me of Rosie Casals and that interview that we have on Tennis Bow Chronicles. I want to encourage our listeners to go back and listen to that interview because it's so cool what she talks about coming up in San Francisco and riding on the back of her dad's motorcycle just to get to a a match and uh, so much wonderful history. And I, I really enjoyed that interview.
4: That was the best. Yeah. If anybody hasn't listened to, uh, Rosie Casal's interview on our podcast, definitely go back and check it out. And also like she touches on the race thing, uh, in the sense of just, you know, tennis is predominantly like rich white sport, um, at least in, you know, our country in general. Um, that's a generalized statement I, I realize, but, um, I think that uh, the numbers would back me up there. Uh, and so she did talk about, you know, how, how it was growing up, you know, and not kind of like fitting in and looking like all the other players or having the same, uh, socioeconomic standings and stuff like that. So it was definitely really cool to hear her. Yeah. She even says that
3: she even says about herself. I came from the wrong side of the tracks, you know, it's,
4: yeah, it's
3: cool. Yeah, and talking about Tennis Rewind, it's kind of cool to have Andy Roddick on the Tennis Channel now. They brought him to kind of spice up the commentaries about all the past matches that they've been uh, showing. And, and and also just asking him, like, what was it like to lose to Federer at Wimbledon? And, <laughs> you know, how did it feel to play these people? What was the first time you played Djokovic? What was that like? Did you know? You know, those kinds of questions. So really interesting. Sounds good. Well, Valerie, I'm so glad we get to share some of our thoughts about tennis and and what's ahead. And we hope it's hopeful. I mean, 2020 has been tough. It's been a hard year, uh, not only for tennis, but for the world. And so uh, just... For all of our listeners, we're with you. We're together. You know, no matter what you're going through, we hope you're safe. and We hope you're healthy. And we have some really great fan favorite reports to share with you, too, from all over the world. So we're, let's listen to those right now.
4: Sounds good.
0: Hi, Tennis Pal Chronicle listeners. This is Peter with your update for Andy Murray. In these challenging times, staying indoors to be safe from the coronavirus pandemic, Andy Murray found a way to enjoy himself while at home and challenging others to be physically active, much like his mom always does. He and his wife Kim did a 100-volley challenge, and they did quite well. He posted the video on Facebook and captioned it, sending out a challenge to all tennis players and fans. There was no fighting or bickering during the filming of the video. I think the last volley was aimed at my head though, seeing that Kim really took a nice swing at that 100th ball. Novak Djokovic and his wife and many others participated in this fun challenge. Staying indoors has also led many people to watch Netflix and binge watch a couple of shows including The Tiger King, a documentary about tiger seeds. In typical Andy Murray fashion, he had something humorous to say about it while still being considerate as he is an ambassador of the World Wildlife Fund. He posted a picture of himself on Instagram saying, Hey there, cool cats and kittens! Who would you feed to the tiger? 1. Joe Exotic? 2. Doc Antle? 3. Carol Baskin? Or 4. All three? There is only one correct answer. Thanks to Rebo Wall for the fun practice wall. The practice wall had a photo of a tiger with its mouth wide open. Andy posted on Facebook a photo of a lion taken by British photographer David Yarrow. A fine print is available to purchase for £500 as part of the Art for Heroes campaign by the Maddox Gallery. You can also download a digital print for just a £10 donation, and for every print sold, a further print will be given to an NHS staff member for free. To buy or to donate, head over to www.artforheroes.co.uk. All proceeds go to Heroes, a charity founded by NHS doctors and nurses to directly help those on the front line. As some of you may know, Andy Murray's grandfather... Roy Erskine played for the Hibernian Football Club. They posted a wonderful picture of their team jersey on Facebook saying thank you to the NHS, the National Health Services. Um, Andy posted, love this from Hibernian Football Club. It has a picture of thank you NHS with Hibs at home. As a UNICEF ambassador, Andy does quite a few things and represents the organization well. On Facebook, he posted a picture of postcards from Paddington. He wrote, I received this awesome Paddington's postcards pack from UNICEF today. This subscription with UNICEF UK means your child and Paddington can explore the world together. The kids were very excited this morning after a postcard arrived from Paddington all the way from Brazil. Awesome idea, especially if you're homeschooling. Find out more here at www.unicef.uk slash paddington slash post. He also posted another video with a message saying thank you to all the health workers in the NHS and beyond who are responding to the coronavirus pandemic. UNICEF UK is working right now with governments and other organizations to keep children safe and ensure their rights to health, education, and play are met during the coronavirus crisis. Head to unicef.uk slash thankshealthheroes to find out more. Andy had two great Instagram Lives with Novak Djokovic and Rafa Nadal. Novak and Andy had a pretty entertaining Instagram Live. Andy said that if he had to change one result of their matches, it would be him losing to Novak in the 2016 Roland Garros final. Andy and Rafa bantered in their uh, Instagram Live about how much they played video games when they were younger. Andy clearly enjoyed participating in the virtual tennis PlayStation game. Mutua Madrid Open hosted for the Players Relief Fund and a charity for the winner's choice. Andy was trash-talking throughout the tournament. On one Facebook post, he said, A few highlights of my demolition of Alexander Zverev yesterday at the virtual Mutua Madrid Open. Tune in later today to see my semifinal against Diego Schwartzman." Let's go, he put the hashtag, after his virtual tennis title win, he posted twice on Facebook. In one, he said, never expected one of my career titles to come from the comfort of my sofa. This definitely counts, right? Come on! I'd say it definitely counts, since it was added to his Wikipedia career statistics. The other post he said, he's... Going to get virtually legless celebrating my win online of the Mutual Madrid Open. Hope anyone who watched got some sort of enjoyment out of it in these tough times. I'll be donating half of the $45,000 prize money to the NHS and the other half to the tennis player really fund. This post has a great photo of him with a fist bump and some moette, champagne, and glass ready to celebrate his third Madrid Open title. Andy has done two interviews this month, one with Christina McFarlane and the other with Christiane Amanpour. Andy spoke to CNN's McFarlane earlier this month, stating, I was training to get ready for Miami, and that was going to be a good test. I was fit and feeling pretty strong. He's mentioned that Clay would be better on his body, and looks forward to the French Open, although he admits it may not be realistic to assume it will happen, even in September, given all of the players that have to come from across the globe to participate. He said, Let's say things in Europe have improved. But there are certain countries that might still have issues," Murray told CNN's Christina McFarlane. Let's say it was still an issue in South America, for example, and France was not allowing flights in from South America or certain countries. And then you have a tournament, basically, where people or players from a certain continent or countries are not allowed to come in to compete. I think the tournament loses. Andy goes on to say, when you're traveling, you often miss events like the first time, that maybe your kids walk, that they crawl, and things like that. And so Andy has gotten uh, some bikes for um, our kids, and they basically cycled for the first time on their own, he said. They've done a little bit of swimming without holding on to their mom or their dad for the first time, and things like that, which they might seem like small things, but to a parent, they aren't. It's so heartwarming to hear Andy opening up about his fairly private family life. Andy had an interview by Christiane Amanpour on CNN International speaking with Billie Jean King. Christiane started the conversation by reading Roger Federer's tweet that said, Just wondering, am I the only one thinking that now is the time for men's and women's tennis to be united and come together as one? Christiane asked, Andy Murray, you're a male player. What do you make of Roger Federer saying that now? What do you think he means and what might be a result of that? Since Andy is not on the ATP Council, he said, I'm assuming it's what they've been discussing for the past few weeks and months about the possibility of the ATP-WTA merging. This is something that B.J. King has been wanting to happen for 40 to 50 years and we need to remember that. Billie Jean King said, when top male players bring it up, people listen. We're much stronger if we're together. She also stated, I think the ATP and the WTA and everyone's been talking right now to try to help with COVID-19. We've been talking for quite a while on certain issues through the years, but I must say that the leadership of both are much more interested in combining partnerships. I think anything's possible if we stay positive and we work through each point by point by point, like we always do in negotiations. But can you imagine how strong we'd be if we can negotiate with one voice? Che Ching. Christian Amenspo said on that Che Ching note about prize money. Andy Murray, certainly some in the male world, and men's tennis are concerned that they wouldn't get as much cha-ching. Do you see any struggle from other men in your sport to try to get this done? I presume you want to see this done. Andy stated, definitely there's some potential for that. I've had some conversations in the past. When there's been prize money increases within the sport where, let's say, the first-round loser's check has gone from eight dollars to $10,000 and women's went from 6000 to $10,000. And I spoke to some of the male players about those who were unhappy because the prize money was equal. He then asked, Would you rather there was no increase at all? And they said to me, Yeah, actually. And he stated how that's some of the mentalities that you're working with in these discussions, where someone would actually rather make less money just so that they're not in equal footing with some of the female players. So there will be some challenges. But look, I think when you have obviously a lot of the top male players now starting to discuss it and talk about it, that's definitely very promising. But I think it's really important in these negotiations that when it comes with these key decision makers right now in tennis, pretty much all of them are men. And when these discussions happen, it's quite important not to see this merger through a man's eyes and to bring more women into the decision-making positions so that everybody's voice gets heard and everyone gets protected in these discussions. And I think if that happens, we have a huge potential as a sport. I think this is a very special sport with what we already have, but I think it could be even better. Billie Jean King quickly spoke about the history of the WTA and how far we've come and agreed with Andy that women's voices need to come to the table. She said if we don't have more women in decision-making positions, it won't be as even. But there is a lot of men, just like Andy, who believe in us. I find that men who have daughters, Andy has two daughters and a son, and Roger, noting he has twin daughters, We are unique, like Andy said, that we can have men and women from a PR point of view. It's a huge plus as the world is going towards equality. Slowly, slowly, every generation has to fight with this, and we have space for this since we're not playing tennis. Billie Jean goes on to say that Andy has always been in there for us and championed the game in so many ways, and he understands so much about everything, just listening to him. Christiane Amanpour turns the conversation back to Andy, commenting, Without wanting to burnish you with a halo, many women in the sport do look up to you as a champion. With thanks for being a big champion, she asks if it's his mother's influence or something else. Andy responds that it's his outspokenness that really started with being the first male player with a female coach. Amelie Maresmo. I didn't know this, but Darren Cahill, coach of Simona Halp, actually suggested having a female coach. Even though Amelie was a former number one and Grand Slam champion, she was the one facing criticism for Andy's losses. He never had that with his former coaches. He realized how much sexism is a problem in tennis. He's taken more interest in it and seen that the problem of inequality has been something that needed to be resolved. Amanpour then asks, How do the cancellations due to COVID-19 affect your career? Andy says the last time he played a match was in November at Davis Cup. So you know, I haven't played a match for 6 months and I haven't actually hit a tennis ball for the last 6 weeks. He has no idea how it will affect him and others but he's tried to get himself in the best shape possible and to help his hip heal. He's used a bike and some weights. So when we do get the opportunity to play again, my body is ready. Amanpour ends on a happy note, showing Andy's Instagram post wearing his kilt and a beaded crown. He captioned the post, When your daughters want to play dress-up and say, Daddy, put on your skirt. I tried to explain it was a kilt, not a skirt, but they assured me it was definitely a skirt. With the hashtag kids, hashtag men in kilts. They all laugh, and Andy says that his daughters are just four and two, but they've already got me wrapped around their fingers. They're the sort of things that you get up to as a dad when you're at home. Billie Jean King also agrees with that sentiment, as she had her dad wrapped around uh, her finger. So thank you so much, Tennis Pal Chronicle listeners. This has been your Andy Murray update from me. You can say hi to me on Twitter. My username is TyGuy84. Hi, this is Jordan in Los Angeles with your Maria Sharapova Farewell Report.
2: Well, after almost 19 years on the WTA Tour, the former world number one has hung up her racket for good. The announcement came in February following the conclusion of the Australian Open, and so Maria enters retirement without the fanfare of a farewell tour. She struggled with prolonged injury in recent years, finding it tough to reach the form she was able to achieve in the years prior to her suspension. After pulling out of Roland Garros in 2019 with a shoulder injury, Maria's next three grand slam appearances would all result in first round losses. The retirement rumours began to mount and eventually Maria made the difficult decision to put down the racket for good, making the big announcement in a Vanity Fair exclusive. Maria turned pro in 2001 and hit the big time following her breakout at Wimbledon in 2004, winning the championship against her future rival Serena Williams at the age of just 17. From then on, Marie was propelled into stardom and would become the highest-paid female athlete of all time. The Russian beauty spent 21 weeks at world number one and won five Grand Slam titles, including the elusive Korea Grand Slam. Maria says goodbye after a in Korea, and her fighting spirit on the tour will be dearly missed. Currently quarantined with her parents at home due to the coronavirus pandemic, Sharapova reflected on how she came to the decision to retire during an Instagram live chat with men's world number one, Novak Djokovic.
0: How's that transition going for you right now?
1: Well, I, I'd say the transition has been different than what I thought it would be because of of what we're all facing, like the challenges like mentally that we're all facing in, in today's environment. Um, You know, like one thing I I previously just mentioned was how I was really, like, despite, you know, finishing something that was a huge part of my career, I was like really motivated for what's to come and and ready to go. And, you know, I I certainly had some ideas, but I don't know, transition. Yes, I built an amazing base. You know, I had many interests um, from the court, like in, in my spare time, I utilized that time really well. You know, I, I built really good um, networks and relationships with, with people and, and companies and, you know, my my interest in business and in technology and investments and um, in architecture and art. and And I've tried to, you know, learn a little bit as much as I could while I was on the road, which was, you know, really difficult. And I was ready to – I think because I was – I mean to be honest i was very stubborn in the last couple of years with with my body like i really thought that as you know when we face a challenge like our persistence has like mm-hmm. been one of our greatest strengths and, and i think i believe in both of our careers like no matter what is in front of us we we know that this is just a hurdle and we get through it and i think i struggled a lot with it because i just kept thinking that it was a hurdle that i could pass and i could get better and so for me, it's somewhat of a—it's been somewhat of like a transitional relief that I'm not putting my body through that anymore, you know. And like, it's funny—I've spent the like the last six, seven weeks with my um, being in a home with my family. So my parents are here, and and boy, it's you know, it's it's entertaining because so much of you <laughs> in your your history—I mean, entertaining is nice mm-hmm. word. But like my dad sometimes asks me, we're having dinner. He's like, "You're, be- you you're being you're not- being very
2: politically correct here."
1: I am. um They're great, um but they're you know. My dad said to me, he's like, "Do you like not want to go out like to the private court and like hit a few balls?" And I was like, "No, no." Well, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> no. I- i feel like every morning i wake up and i do like a form of exercise and a workout where i you know i push myself like last night at the end, i had you know a lot of calls and um i don't know it was just before dinner but i was like I, I haven't done something for myself and my body so i went in the basement and i we have this indoor um stationary bike and i was on there for like an hour at like 172 heart rate and i'm like what why why am i doing this you know but it's like it's there's some things that are still like part of me and that i i i really want that that i carry like through in, in like this transition and and some of it i'm ready to let go but but yeah I, I was ready for the transition and i think i've set up a really good a really good base for myself so i can look back at that and, and feel like i'm i'm proud of you know although as you know my focus so much of my life was to tennis it was also nice to work on other projects and, you know, be part of other things like our, our head commercials and like creative things. So yeah, definitely.
2: Since retirement, Maria recently teamed up with her dear friend and model Carly Kloss for the Stay At Home Slam, a live virtual tennis tournament on Nintendo Switch's Mario Tennis Aces that features celebrities and pro tennis players teaming up to raise money for the charity of their choice with a one million dollar prize on the line. Maria and Carly unfortunately lost in the first round, although they did take away a $25,000 participation fee, which they will donate to a charity of their choosing. The stay-at-home slam also featured Serena Williams playing with supermodel Gigi Hadid, while, among others, Naomi Osaka partnered with model and TV personality Haley Bieber. Taylor Fritz earned a massive payday for his chosen charity without having to leave his own living room. The American and Addison Raid defeated Ken Nishikori and Steve Aoki 6-4 in the final of the tournament, snatching the $1 million prize. So what's next for Maria? Well, she said recently she has many new projects in the pipeline that we should look out for, but for now she's happy to be taking some time for herself to relax. The Russian is known for her entrepreneurial endeavors, and since 2012 she has run her own multi-million dollar candy business, Sugarpova, which is sure to continue to keep her busy. We wish Maria a very happy retirement and congratulations on a monumental career. Bye for now.
4: Hey everyone, it's Valerie, your fan-favorite reporter on The Great Serena Williams. So, uh, this is our first fan-favorite report since, uh, going on quarantine for the interesting new world we live in. So what has Serena been up to now that tennis has been halted indefinitely? Well, she's been posting a whole lot on Instagram, so why don't I give you some of what she's been up to? Uh... Serena started her posts on Instagram, basically posting that she's about getting ready for the next six weeks in solitude, uh, being a wife, a mom, cooking, cleaning, face masks, makeup tutorials, etc. She said her first day, she started with two naps and a bag of popcorn. Sounds familiar. Uh, She followed by posting a few stretching and yoga videos, which I thought was cool to see what one of our world's top athletes is doing from home to stay fit and sane. She, of course, has been posting many pictures and videos of her and her daughter, Olympia, whether they're making, you know, makeup tutorials together, they're playing, or having tea dressed up as Disney princesses. She also had a business meeting with one of her companies on Zoom and had her daughter on her lap. It's really cute. And her daughter has her own Instagram, too, so if you want to look for her. And I think that her daughter's doll, Kwe, Kwe might have her own Instagram as well. It's a bit much, but... Uh, If you got the time, and most of us do right now, you know, head on over to Instagram and follow those links. One of my favorite videos of hers was her response to Roger Federer's Instagram volley challenge. He had posted asking people to join him volleying against a wall. So she made a cute video saying she she was on day three or four of volleying against her wall. She was like, I'm hungry. I'm tired. The only reason I'm doing this well is because I'm using the racket Roger gave me at the Hopman Cup. I'm sure we can all agree that, of course, it w- that's why she was doing so well. Because Roger's rackets are the best. <laughs> also on Instagram, they had, uh, she had posted that at the end of the April, herself, Kevin Hart, and Steph Curry were throwing a virtual graduation for the class of 2020. Which is quite nice. She made a little video. She made a cute video, actually, uh, of her, of herself playing a tennis match at home against herself. So she edited herself, like, playing a match against herself. It's, it's cute. You should check it out. I won't tell you who won. But you can see all of this content on her Instagram page if you would like. I would suggest following her. She has some good stuff. She also was recently uh, named the global spokeswoman uh, for the newest shoe launch for Stuart Weitzman. So there's some really cool pictures of her um, strutting these really awesome shoes. I actually looked at it. I'm not really into shoes, but I checked out the pictures and they're nice. But then I looked at the prices and I was like, whoa, if you would like to spend 350 to $950 on a pair of shoes, by all means, check it out because there's some really uh, good looking shoes there. In other tennis news, which I thought was quite interesting, sparked some stuff. I heard uh, Andy Roddick talking about it on another Tennis Podcast is Roger Federer's tweet. He tweeted, just wondering, am I the only one thinking that now is the time for men's and women's tennis to be united and come together as one? Uh, What's interesting is Serena responded and said, "Um, that was confidential and not supposed to be shared yet. But then she deleted her tweet shortly after. So I'd really love to know what that was all about. Uh, Maybe one day we'll hear. And on a side note, I mean, how cool would that be? And uh, I wonder if that is something that can happen. So last but certainly not least, my favorite part of quarantine so far. Um, I know that the Madrid Open did their own virtual tennis tour. uh, The Mutual Madrid Virtual Something. Uh, I didn't actually get to see much of that. But there was another virtual tennis tournament. It was the IMG Mario Tennis Aces Stay at Home Slam. Super cool, it was about, I think it was about two and a half hours. Um, You could find it on YouTube. Uh, It's also was streamed live on Serena's Facebook page. Um, I didn't watch the whole thing all the way through because it was two and a half hours, it was kind of long. However, it was really cool. I did watch about an hour and a half. It was featuring tennis players, uh, Serena Williams, Maria Sharapova, Kevin Anderson, Taylor Fritz, Venus Williams, Naomi Osaka, Kaney Shikori and Madison Keys. And these tennis players were playing a video game. It's a like a Nintendo uh, virtual tennis tournament, and they were teamed up, it was doubles, and they were teamed up with some stars. So Carly Kloss, Ryan Tannehill, Steve Aoki, Haley Bieber, DeAndre Hopkins, Addison Ray, Seal, and Gigi Hadid. So it was pretty cool. Um, I don't know if you're going to watch it, so I don't want to ruin results, um, for you Uh, as I will tell you that Serena was paired with Gigi Hadid and, um, and, uh, I don't, you know, I I was going to say the results, but now I feel like if I say it, you won't want to watch it, but I would, I'm not going to say who won or how Serena did. Maybe I can talk about that later in the next episode, but it was really cool, um, I found myself getting like way into it, like just the competitive nature. Um, they have a they have a fun time. It's narrated by uh, um, a lady named Justine and John McEnroe, um, and Billie Jean King also steps in and does like a little cameo intro. So it's pretty cool. Um, sponsored by such big names like that, and uh, actually, what was really cool is they were playing for charity, and there was a lot of money on on the line. Um, each player got twenty five thousand dollars. Just for entering, to go to the charity of their choice, and the winner of the tournament, uh, the winning team got a million dollars to split between their charities. So it it was really cool. It was it was a ton of fun. Um, I may even watch it again. It it was it was uh, great stuff. But that being said, um, that is what Serena has been up to while she's been staying at home. Um, I did just recently read an article about Serena's home, and uh, it seems like she's having fun in her... So I didn't... She has a home in um, Florida that she co-owns with Venus. It's 7,300 square feet (laughs) with a pool and a cabana and a tennis court, uh, which is crazy. Um, That sounds like a great place to be quarantined, um, especially along with her husband and her child. So that must be nice. And then she also had... A quick cameo on Venus Williams' YouTube channel last week, Venus was doing a Q&A, and of course Serena, she took fan questions, and her first question was from Serena herself, and Serena asked, do you love me? And uh, Venus joked that, uh, yeah, well, she said, of course, that she loved her, but then she joked that, um, except for the time that Serena took the head off her little pony, her my little pony, and she broke her piggy bank. However, she did say, out of four, they are the fourth and the fifth of five kids of a family, and so they look out for each other." Anyway, it's been really sweet seeing all the tennis people have their social media content since that's our only only connection to them right now. So um, I've enjoyed it, and I can't wait to hear the other reporters to see what what else uh, everyone's going through. I was a little bummed that uh, Serena doesn't seem to have a lot of feedback or. Uh, opinions on the tour, what's going on, and when it comes back and stuff like that because I I would love to hear her uh, take on what's going on. But that being said, it seems like she's just resting and probably excited to be stronger than ever when the tour finally starts up again. Thanks, and I'll catch you guys later. Bye.
5: Hey, guys. It's Crystal here with another fan favor report for Stefanos Tsitsipas. Obviously... Not a lot has happened due to the coronavirus being around, so hopefully everyone is staying safe. But this is what Stefanos has been up to from me looking at his Instagram and social media pages and as well as seeing on his YouTube channel. So, so Steph in the early, I mean, the early days of March, he was in Indian Wells, obviously prepping. After everything got cancelled he went to new york and he was hanging out with the yes fairy boys they're a group who have a youtube channel and he's very fond of that youtube channel last year he went traveling with a few of them to omar and we see he's made some youtube videos with them on his channel some fifa contest definitely highly really recommend for you guys to check those out if you're bored and quarantine. After being in New York, he went to London, spent some time in Wimbledon training there. We saw photos of him there and some Insta stories as well. And then he headed back to Monaco after a bit of, not shade, criticism from people. But obviously he made his way back to Monaco by the time things were getting more serious in America and obviously in the UK. So he's back there. He's safe. At the moment, it looks like he's in the Patrick Morotogaloo Academy, which is in the south of France. And I'm not, my geography may be off. I'm not that great on French geography, but Monaco and maybe the south of France are very close together. So it's easy traveling for him, maybe. He has been with his family a little bit as well. I don't know if they moved from Greece, but potentially he did go to Greece to see them. And I know his brother also trains at the academy, and maybe his sister too. So they're all been there together, or maybe all the family is in the academy where they're all quarantining. I'm not sure about that, but that's what I've seen. He's hanging out with his family. Everything is going well. He's also been playing a lot of jokes on people. As we know, it was Nick Kyrios's birthday a few days ago, and he pranked him by putting all his phone number on social media. So Nick obviously got a lot of calls. He's also done a few funny videos of imitating Zverev and Zverev has been, Alexander Zverev, I mean, has been very active showing his fitness routines and all that. And Steph basically did a mocking video of that also, which has been very funny to see. But I guess some sad news. Steph announced that his vlogs will be coming to an end um, he announced this whilst we're in quarantine, and obviously, a lot of Titsy fans like myself were very upset. But you know, we've enjoyed the content, we enjoy sharing these moments with him, and obviously, privacy reasons. And he just wants to focus on the sport and maybe knuckle down on what he's supposed to be doing in life. And you know, he'll still be posting content and posting pictures and all that, but we won't get the vlogs like we were used to, and that's totally fine. We've got so many to watch anyway, so. It's good for us, but obviously they'll be coming to end very soon. And yeah, that's pretty much all Stefanos has been up to. um, Pranking people, he's been really good at that. Lots of tweets from him. Before I forget, he has been influential. I guess you can say he started this campaign. I'm not sure if he started it, but the Beyond 100 campaign, which is basically helping players down in the lower ranks of the system of the ATP and the ITF by donating, auctioning off rackets, clothes, shoes, whatever he can give to people. And that money would obviously go to help players outside the top 100. And I think that's a great thing. Obviously, there's been some controversy from other players not wanting to donate and not wanting to help out. But we'll see how that goes in the end. But that's pretty much what he's been up to. I've been keeping up with him and also trying to stay sane hopefully everyone else is staying safe and staying at home and hopefully we'll catch you guys on the next one with some tennis news
3: valerie i love doing this with you and it's so fun to have those fan favorite reports from all over and especially my favorite serena reporter
4: of course she's pretty cool
3: <laughs> <laughs> she is super cool valerie I'm, I'm excited that i'm working on a guide for tennis yoga with Marsha Gray. She was from our last podcast, amazing naval trainer who also practices yoga and is certified as a yoga instructor. So we're working on a guide together so that you can use yoga to increase your tennis game. Isn't that cool? Oh, that's awesome. I'm so glad that I found her. And so we're putting this whole thing together to talk about how these different movements in yoga can affect your tennis game and our tennis specific. So hopefully we'll have that uh, available for people to purchase this summer and uh, make it super low cost and really effective for people to increase their tennis game.
4: Nice. I can't wait to see it and buy it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I guess your dog wants it too. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. We just want to remind you once again, Tennis Pal is our sponsor for Tennis Pal Chronicles. It's a app for iphone and android and it is really anything tennis it connects you with other players so now that the courts are open if you're looking for singles or someone to hit with you just type in your zip code and it comes up with a list of people you can message you can also find a coach in your area through the tennis pal coach app so check that out download it schedule play time and share moments of your tennis with the tennis community on tennis pal Thanks for listening, guys, and may all your serves be aces. be
4: ACES.
2: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick.